two of the playoffs, and we are back with you for the Delco Football Show. Uh, this is Matthew DeGeorge. I'm here with Matt Smith. There are five District 1 games going on this weekend, plus a District 1 slash 2 sub-regional. We will cover all of our bases uh, for the surviving Delco playoff teams. We've also got Haverford EA Day coming up, and we're going to touch base there and see what those teams have to offer. Uh, first up this week, all four of the district quarterfinals in uh, District 1 Class 5A feature a Delco team. So we got to start there. Uh, number one seed uh, Springfield is going to be hosting number nine Westchester Rustin. Number four AP, the defending champion in this classification, hosts Upper Dublin. Uh, number seven Marble Newtown travels to number two Upper Moreland. And Strathaven, the team that really pulled the biggest upset of the first round, uh, the 11 seed, they've got a trip to number three. Unionville. So Matt Smith of those four games in District One Class Five A, which one uh, which one stands out to you as possibly being the best matchup on paper? Uh, I think the best matchup on paper could be the Marple Newtown and uh, Upper Moreland. Obviously, you have two high scoring teams. Um, Upper Moreland, uh, the number two seed, they scored twenty eight points in the third quarter, <laughs> in one quarter, en route to a uh, fifty seven to thirty win. Over Sun Valley last week, that they, game that game for the record was fifty-seven to fourteen after three quarters. <laughs> two embellishment touchdowns there from Sun Valley. So if you're looking for entertainment value, um, two teams that that can score the football, I, I think you, you're going you're going to see um, a lot of points on the board this week between those teams. And just an, another, I, I honestly like all four of these games, and I can see every team winning. You know, I, I could see Rustin upsetting Springfield. I could see Strathaven upsetting Unionville. So I think there's a lot of, I don't want to say parity. I don't know if parity is the right word, but uh, there's a competitive balance in this round that I really like. So, yeah, I, I think every game could, could maybe if it doesn't come down to the wire, but every game can be at least competitive for, for you know, at least three, four quarters. I agree with you on one point, and I disagree with you on one point. And the point I disagree on is that I don't, I don't really see Rustin beating Springfield. But I do agree with you on the notion of Marple and Upper Moreland being the best game. And with all due respect to that Marple Newtown defense, which you know Kyle Tobin and those guys are greatly improved, that's a good defensive core. But Upper Moreland can score a lot. They had 438 yards of offense. Uh, they can throw the ball. With Brandon Alexa, they can run the ball with Caleb Mead and Sterling Barr, as we talked about last week. And, you know, they almost ran. They threw for 150 yards. They almost ran for 300 against Sun Valley. They have a very good offense. And Marple, I think, is starting to figure out the balance. And I can remember when Anthony Paoletti was a sophomore going out to do their preseason preview when Marcus Weathers was a freshman. And the thing that Chris Gicking said to me then was, We've got some good receivers. We've got a very good quarterback that we're very high on. We need to figure out the running game. And Weathers has had his moments. Uh, Marlon Weathers has had his moments. There's been some other guys that have come in and had their moments. But now Marlon Weathers has turned himself into a force. He had 258 yards last week. Marble ran for 281. He had, what, three? Did he have three three, three. and change the week before? Or well, a couple weeks 200. ago? He's had a couple 250-plus running games. 
So that balance is really there, yeah. and that makes Paoletti so much more dangerous. And you can have a game like he did last week where he throws for 133 yards, which for him right. isn't a ton because he's been he's routinely over 200, and he's touched 300 a couple I, times. I think they are, they've been too pass-happy. Um, they've just put so much on Paoletti over these last couple of years, and I think it's cost them uh, you know, to be critical of them a little bit because he's expected to kind of carry that team. You know, you got a kid like Marlon Weathers who, you know, really, I mean, I don't want to say he's come out of nowhere this year, but um, he's really emerged as one of the best running backs in the county. And, um, yeah, like, he, he's a guy they should have been leaning on a little bit more this season, I think. And I think that balance is really that, – that's what makes winning playoff teams, which I think brings us to Rustin and Springfield. Rustin had a really big win last week. They were – an upset in air quotes against Great Valley, forty-eight to seventeen at Great Valley. So not not really all that close there. They are an excellent running team. They have a, a really really dynamic one-two punch in Nick Benoit and uh, Ty Pringle. Pringle ran for four touchdowns last week. Benoit ran for two hundred yards. But they seem to be a little bit more one-dimensional. They're a very run-heavy team, and. With Pringle and Benoit, they give you a little bit of a different look in terms of, you know, speed and power. I just don't think that a one-dimensional team is necessarily going to be the kind of team that trips up Springfield because they're so good defensively. No, I don't think so either. Springfield is one of those defensive teams. They don't really wear down, or they don't wear down easily. Like Even the good running teams like Garner Valley, at, at some point – Springfield figure out, figured out what they were doing. <laughs> and and Garner Valley becomes a predictable offense, and, and Springfield sort of had an answer for everything. So I agree on that point that a one-dimensional team like Ruston uh, probably doesn't match up very well against Springfield. Uh, things I, like I that. Mean, I think but it's still possible. I think it's yeah, I, it's possible, but it's unlikely. And that, that, that was kind of my second point that, you know, I, I don't see uh, Springfield going down this week. Um, but it wouldn't shock me if, if if something like that happened. So I think that's a good point about Springfield's defense is that really to beat them, you need not just – I don't even think you need to have just two things. I think you need to have multiple different ways to get yardage consistently because they will adapt. They're so good scheme-wise. They're so good athletically. And they're very good at if you're doing something, they're going to take it away yeah. from you, make you do something else. And then they're going to figure that out, and they're going to try and take that away from you. So then you have it's, – it's a real cat-and-mouse game, and you have to be very good at that game to beat Springfield. And if we're going to talk about dimensionality with a team, they beat Pencrest last week 38 to nothing, which I know Pencrest, struggling team, all that kind of stuff, but without Jaden McKenzie. And I don't think there's a lot of teams that could make it look necessarily that comfortable. They, they step up. They don't give up a lot. They post another shutout. And they managed to adapt, and that's a really big thing. It's only their first shutout of the year. That's surprising. It's only their – really? Yeah, okay. they, they've given up – like, they, they've had some games where they've only given up a touchdown. Um, I mean, I know. saw them beat Ridley 42-7. to seven. Yeah, a lot of those games, have, you know, they've had a couple 21-7s, 42-7s. But, yeah, first shutout of the year, so – I'm going to say 42-7 is basically a shutout. For, right, yeah. For all intents and purposes, that's pretty much a shutout. Yeah, it, um, I still like Springfield this week. I, I don't think you – know, yeah, if Rustin rushes for 500 yards last week against Great Valley, I, I don't think they've seen a defense quite like um, – in the Chessmont League, I don't think the defenses are 
comparable to a team like Springfield. On paper, the intriguing matchup is Upper Dublin at Academy Park. That's a five versus four game. Both teams last week uh, advanced Academy Park pretty comfortably, 39 to 12 over Chai. Upper Dublin struggled. 27-21 over a very game Radnor team. They were down in that third quarter, late in that third quarter, until uh, Malik Bootman came up with uh, the last two of his four touchdowns on the day. Carried the ball 31 times for 125 yards in the f- and uh, three rushing scores, one passing score. As we said last week, Upper Dublin's got some good run-pass balance with Julian uh, Gimbel as their quarterback. They limited Radnor, which is a pretty rush-heavy offense, uh, to just 50 yards on the ground. AP, meanwhile, I think, uh, as we've said before, is kind of starting to put some of the pieces together. Nate Holmes has a 100-yard game. Uh, Skylar Phyllis made some plays. They had two kick returns, actually, one from Dwayne Leslie, one from uh, one from Nate Holmes. So they're able to score in some different facets. It should be noted, this is uncharted territory for Upper Dublin, uh, according to their, uh, what was it, their radio Twitter account. Uh, coming to Sharon Hill from Upper Dublin, uh, it's a long ride down long, the Long road. ride. Uh, you know, uh, an entirely different world down here. I mean, come on, guys. It's not Russia. Uh, honestly, I think... Where, where'd, you, where'd you go to high school? <laughs> I think Academy Park. You know, if Upper Dub- Dublin struggles to score against Radner, <laughs> then I, I, I really don't see them... At least Academy Park, they're going to put up points. Um, they're going to find a way to score. You know, I, I would be worried. If Upper Dublin had struggled so much for three quarters to put up points against Radner, um, then how are they going to do against Academy Park? I, I see Academy Park winning by two touchdowns, maybe more. Um, the key will be, I mean, <laughs> for Academy Park, I mean, who's going to show up this week? Um, Kareem Burton hasn't played in a couple weeks. Uh, I know Nate Holmes. I think Nate Holmes is their better running back. He, said he had a, re- a really big game last week, kick return touchdown, 138 yards. Skylar Phyllis has been one of the most underrated kind of dual quarterbacks mm-hmm. in the county this year. H- had a good rushing week last week, but still was only four for 10 through the yeah. air, 72 yards. I don't think Academy Park is where they were last year as a whole, but I think they're starting to hit their stride a little bit. If they could limit the penalties, what do they have, 15 penalties? Six, 16 for week? 135 last that, that's week. That's too much, and I know – Penwood had 16 for 151. I know so. Coach Jason, yeah, but I know Academy Park coach uh, Jason Voshesky just he told me they're just not a disciplined football team. Maybe they're they've improved in that area, or at least they're attempting to improve in that area. But it looks like they're starting to kind of figure things out. Whereas uh, most of the year, I think they just got by on sheer talent and, and luck. Um, I still like Academy Park. I think. If Upper Dublin leaves them that opening of, you know, not seizing the game early, Academy Park, even for some of the inconsistencies on offense, they can put them away in a way that Radner wasn't able to with their explosiveness, with the big play capabilities, um, with the special teams game. I mean, you had last week three touchdowns of 60 yards or more. So that ability to kind of put teams away that's something that maybe Radner doesn't have. We will say, though, shout-out to Radner for the win on Monday against Lower Marion, Monday Night Football in Delaware County again. Uh, don't know that we necessarily need it, but big games there from Jameer Ryder and from Sean Malarkey. So they finish with a 
with a winning uh, flourish at the end of the season in the 121st meeting of the, the rivalry game with Lower Marion. It's a long time. Finally, in District 1, Class 5A, Strathaven and Unionville. Uh, last week, a huge upset from Strathaven, beating Bishop Shanahan 24-21. Clutch 23-yard field goal by Emmett Young late on in that game. Last 10 points of the game were scored by Strathaven, so really a, a tremendous effort from them to get into that game and obviously to get Coach Kevin Clancy his 300th career win, which is an accolade that very few coaches could possibly match. They have a tough test this week, again, going to Unionville, which handled Glenn Mills 42-8 to last week. A lot of guys on – there's a lot of guys on Unionville that can that can do some damage. Uh, they racked up 323 yards of offense, uh, some passing – a couple passing touchdowns, a bunch of different guys on the ground. This is going to be a tough game for Strathaven, but I think last week was too, and they and they persevered in the face of that challenge away from home. Yeah, I mean, I said it last week. Hey, Strathaven needs one of those one of those wins that could de- define a program, or in this sense, kind of redefine uh, uh, such a storied football program that had fallen on hard times in recent years, and uh, finally got a playoff win, and 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 really the the biggest win for for Strathaven football. Uh, in seven years, really, since they last won a district title. Uh, I think Unionville's a different beast. Typical Chessmont team, they have a lot of different guys that could run the ball and, and, and you know, rip off 100 yards. Like Joe Ferrellio had 110 yards and three touchdowns last week, and they went over Glenn Mills. Um, on just four touches. On too. just four touches, yeah, and I think Dante Graham had a big game. But if nothing else, Strathaven kind of proved to themselves, like, hey, we can – you know, go and travel to one of these Chessmont schools and, and, and compete. And, and I think that's a good feeling to have at this point. Got to give credit to, to Strathaven, what they were able to do last week, to do it in such a, a dramatic fashion, the game-winning field goal by Emmett Young there as time expires. Uh, a, a pretty cool feeling. Um, I do like Unionville in this game, but, you know, as I said earlier, I could see <laughs> Strathaven going in and, you know, kind of just really – uh, give Unionville a a, a, a tough uh, challenge here and, and maybe squeak out like another three-point win or something, you know? What I think should give Strathaven heart is that if I if you would have told me last week, all right, how does Strathaven beat Bishop Shanahan, I would have said that they would have had to absolutely control the clock. They would have had to grind out 300 yards on the ground, and their quarterback, Jake Fisher, would have had to – connect on two or three long passes and they didn't really do a whole lot of that last week they only had 200 yards of offense yeah, Fisher Fisher had a 31 yard touchdown pass Ethan Belleville. Ethan Belleville had a fumble return they caused three turnovers they you know they were outgained. they were outrushed you know 51 carries for 161 yards so three yards a pop that's really not anything to write home about but they still won and that speaks to I think a level of toughness in this team that really is going to serve them going forward. And if they can have a big offensive game against a team like Unionville, obviously that defense is probably pretty well rested, but if they can have a big offensive game and get that running game going, all of a sudden you've got that toughness on the other end, that defense led by Belleville, Ryan Morris, right. very good players. Lee Holbert, defensive lineman, has been really good this year. If You know, we get to this point in the season where if you pull upset, one upset, 
what the heck's pulling another one? You know, usually when Strathaven wins football games, they're getting like 150 yards from one of their running backs, Zach Hussein, Zach Hussein or Sean Daly or one of those guys, and that didn't happen. This was this was like kind of a, an old school Strathaven win where they just really. Um, it looked like they they came to play on defense and had some takeaways and kind of won the game uh, the old fashioned way, um, the Kevin Clancy way, the, the Kevin <laughs> Clancy way. We'll maybe save that. Yeah. Uh, we're gonna save that for your Football Friday feature that everyone can get ready for uh, Thursday night. Uh, yeah, I, I, I hope to head out there Wednesday afternoon and uh, find a story. <laughs> Shifting gears to 6A, the number three seed Garnet Valley hosts number six North Penn. Uh, Garnet Valley last week had relative ease getting by CB West 32 to 13. North Penn, meanwhile, I, I think we expected their game against Haverford to be offensive minded. I don't think that we necessarily expected 970 combined yards of offense. Uh, between those teams, it was a 41-26 North Penn win, but Haverford kept it close. They were within a couple points in the third quarter, but 551 yards of offense for North Penn, that is a daunting attack. K.J. Cartwright ran for 249 yards and uh, three touchdowns, touchdowns of 70, 80, and 8. That's pretty daunting. They've got a good one-two punch there with him and Justice Henley. Uh, Steve DePaul had a solid game uh, throwing the ball. I know, Matt Smith, you saw Garnet Valley and CB West and kind of just a ho-hum 300-yard running game from Garnet Valley, but I think they're going to be tested by North Penn. Is that is that fair to say? Um, I think so. You know, North Penn, again, this is the team they, they, met la- uh, they played last year for the district title. North Penn's p- played LaSalle. And Downingtown East uh, in their in their out of league games this year, um, and then a very they have a very tough league schedule, and they have a very tough. I mean, looking at these scores, my gosh! I mean, they're scoring forty one in a loss to LaSalle, uh, forty four in a loss to Downingtown East, and after that zero two start, they have not lost yet. I worry for Garnet Valley that they they won't have an answer for some of these guys like KJ Cartwright. Um, you know, I I don't see Garnet if it turns into this back and forth, back and forth game. I don't I don't know if Garnet Valley can keep up with that for all four quarters. Garnet Valley is good when they kind of get ahead, and then they kind of stomp on you and and kind of make sure that you have no chance to rally or come back against them in a shootout. You know, I I think Garnet Valley is at a slight disadvantage. I think both teams are going to score against each other. I don't think that this is going to be a game necessarily played in the teens or the 20s. I think both teams will get out there and score. The one thing is is that, especially at home, you underestimate the Garner Valley defense at your own peril. And they've had some instances this season where you haven't maybe expected them to step up, or I'll speak for myself, I haven't really expected them to step up in the picks. And they have stepped up. They have, up. and they did last week. And they had a great game last week. The one, br- one of the bright sides of that offense is that it does have the element of clock control. So if they want to, they can run it quickly and do what they did mm-hmm. uh, against CB West, which was carry the ball 55 times. But you can also slow it down a little bit and keep your defense on the sidelines. And that's, I think, going to be important in how they manage that game. The sophomore quarterback, Ryan Gallagher, has really fit in nicely – he, I know we've talked about this, but he stepped up a couple weeks ago um, as sort of the emergency quarterback this year as a sophomore after injuries to Cole Palace and Matt Hamby. 
He's uh, kind of been thrown into the fire, and he's done a great job uh, managing that offense. So that was one of my concerns kind of coming into the playoffs was like a young quarterback. But after seeing him last week and the way he kind of handled himself in, in, in you know, a big game, a big atmosphere, playoff atmosphere, uh, I'm, I'm no longer worried about the quarterback position at Garner Valley. Dropping down to Class A, we've got Old Forge against Delco Christian in the District 1-2 uh, sub-regional, I guess we're going to call it. Uh, it's at Markle Newtown on Friday. Delco Christian has hosting duties. I was out there on Saturday to see them beat, uh, beat Jenkintown. I kind of fail for words to describe what Luke Gutowski did in that game. He ran for a touchdown, threw for a touchdown, blocked a field goal, had a fumble return. Uh, fumble recovery, I'm sorry, and an interception. So pretty pretty full game from him. Big games from Jalen Mitchell and uh, Jared Nesbitt stepped up with two touchdowns early. They get Old Forge, and this, I think, is going to be a challenge out of District 2. 10-1 team. Uh, their only loss this year has been when they played up uh, to Dunmore, which is a Class AA team. If you take out that loss and the other 10 games that they have, the 10 wins, they're averaging – uh, 38.9 points per game, and they're only giving up just a shade over 10 points per game. So this is going to be a challenge. I think this might be a team of a caliber that's slightly different than what Delco Christian's used to in the Bicentennial. One of the big concerns always for Delco Christian is how do they match up against teams that are a little more athletic, can stretch the field, can you know make things happen in the passing game and, and things of that nature. We have Brendan Mozell. Moselleski, um, I know I butchered his last name, but this fella, uh, Brennan, has uh, over 2,000 yards rushing and 20 touchdowns for Old Forge. Uh, their quarterback, Dante Lucarelli, has thrown for over 1,500 yards. They have a kind of a, a good um, uh, wide receiving core. Um, a fellow by the name of Anthony Rios has had a nice year receiving. So they like to run, they like to pass, and it seems like they kind of run like an up up tempo offense. I'd imagine that Delco Christian kind of has has its hands full this week. Um, you know, you've seen a running back that has rushed for twenty two hundred yards. I mean, that's that's your number one target if you're Delco Christian. Yeah, there's not there's not one of them in Delaware County this year, and, no. and there's not a whole lot of them in the past in Delaware County. There's a handful, but not there's a whole a lot. I think Delco Christian did uh, the last time they reached this level and the brackets were shaped slightly differently when the four classification system was, uh, what, two years ago, and I can't remember the team they played, uh, but it was a team that went on to a state champ or a state final. Uh, all I know is that I was yeah. cold as all get out that day. But they really fought in that game, and I think that was a better Delco Christian team, but they have shown this ability to fight in these games. They're not a team that usually goes lightly even for you know their low numbers and stuff like that. Finally, Saturday, it is Haverford EA Day, uh, which means one or both of us will be headed up to Episcopal Academy to watch those two teams square off. Haverford School comes in trying to ward off a winless season in the Interac, which will be their first of those in a while. EA comes in off of a shellacking last week at the hands of Penn Charter, a game that uh, they were without starting quarterback Marcus McDaniel. They were without starting running back D. Will Barley. A game that you were at, Matt Smith. You you were in good enough shape to be there. Adam Robinson looked like he played fairly well in uh, a reserve role there, mm-hmm. but certainly with the injuries, it seems like they're taking their toll, and this appears to be two teams at the end of the season fighting uh, attrition as much as each other. Yeah, two teams kind of 
limping to the finish line right now. Um, I'll say it. I, I, I told a few people this. Like, Episcopal Academy has not played nearly as well as as you would think. I mean, they have a really talented team. Their offensive line is – you can match them up against the Garnet Valleys. They're just a really good football team that just can't piece it together this year. And I, I, I know they've relied so much on their running back, D. Will Barley, who sat out last week. But they had other guys step up. And, yeah, it was – they lost 42-17, to 17, the Penn Charter. But uh, you saw guys like Jack Bush – make some plays. Jack Purcell makes some plays. Um, I, I think going forward, if you're Episcopal Academy going into next year, you got to like what you have, you know, on Haverford School. Just a really disappointing year altogether. All I think they haven't been this bad since 2004. It was Mike Murphy's first year as head coach. That was before I, both of us. I believe, Yeah, I believe they went 1-9 or 1-10 this year. I, I've seen a lot of Haverford School this year. They just don't have any – I mean, every year they have a star player, one or two. You know, the Docs Aikens, uh, Kevin Carters, Phil Pokways, those guys, and Malik Twyman. They, they, they had nobody who could kind of um, fill those shoes this year. I'll be interested to see if they gain any resolution in the quarterback department. They've had two underclassmen this year that have been playing. Uh, ben Gerber had some okay games. Then Patrick Toll comes in, the younger brother of Tommy Toll, who started for two years. And he's had some good games uh, through a touchdown, uh, not last week, but the week before. Last week in a 24-20 loss to Springside Chestnut Hill, both Gerber and Toll threw touchdowns. So they had some, they both had some decent numbers. And both of those guys are underclassmen. Gerber's a junior, uh, Toll's a sophomore. So one of those guys is likely to be the quarterback next year. I wonder if this yeah. game and the magnitude of playing in this situation We'll offer any resolution there or, or a little bit of a hint as to where they go going forward. Uh, EA and Hanford School, it's always a fun game every year, no matter what the records say. Um, you know each team's going to kind of treat it like their Super Bowl. The food will be good. And the They'll food, good the food, food will be good. I, I am told, I was told that expect some goodies at, at, at Episcopal Academy on Saturday. So I'm looking forward to that. That's everything for this week. Uh, we, we might be back next week, depending on uh, how much some of the teams playing cooperate. Uh, but if they survive, we'll hope that we'll survive. Uh, you can read Matt Smith's Football Friday feature in Friday's edition of the Daily Times and online at paprepplive.com. You can follow Matt Smith on Twitter at DTMattSmith. And you can follow me on Twitter at SportsDoctorMD. Thanks very much for listening.